Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. for um coming on it's, it's great to have you it's really, yeah thanks uh, very, for having me <laughs> very exciting we're we're kind of um i don't know it's just it's funny sometimes uh, uh your response was pretty immediate and great but kind of the the a lot, a lot of folks i think get um i don't know if intimidated is the word but what we're trying to do is sort of get people away from the notion that there's a correct way to think about movies and talk about them and that the important thing is you know how they relate to you and how you kind of process them into your own vision. So um, yeah, I think sometimes people get the sense that we're going to be sitting here, you know, wow, you didn't, you didn't say the right thing about Susan Cain. So um, <laughs> I'm oh, not even it, that. It is a little bit intimidating. I've got to admit, you know, because uh, you know, some people are really a hundred percent wealth of knowledge encyclopedia uh, memory and details. And, you know, some of us are, we're doing our own things. and Exactly. Yeah, no, I think I spent the first half of my career trying to learn all that stuff. And now I'm spending the second half trying to sort of forget it all. Because it's, it's um, uh, you know, it's this, it's this art form that affects everybody. And, um, you know, you should be able to talk about it however you please. So we are very, very excited to have you on because you're, uh, um, forgive my use of this word, you're a really interesting filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I can, why don't we, we'll, we'll jump in. We're with Catherine Hardwick, who's uh, the director of 13, uh, Lords of Dogtown, which is a movie I especially love. And I've got friends who are sort of tapped into that world. Um, I mean, that movie is there. I, I can't even, I don't even know what to compare it to, but uh, it's, it's such a, it's such a special film. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> um, awesome. And you had a really interesting, I, I want to leave it to you to describe uh, uh, you sort of came up with a theme for the films you wanted to talk about. Do you want to try and I, I don't want to do a disservice to you by trying to describe it. So, um, yeah, well, I was, my, my theme was kind of a, you know, raw films, like really raw immersive films, um, like real people, real stories. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what inspired me to make my first film, um, 13 and Lords of Dogtown, you know, just, really make it as real and feel like you're really there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which both of those films do beautifully um, for, for worlds that uh, um, I, I guess I, I mean, just by knowing people in the uh, the world you get into a dog town, I guess I can say I have some familiarity with that, but um, as you may notice, and I probably intuited, I was never a 13 year old girl. And <laughs> um, that, that movie really is so, so immersive. Um, it's just, it's just lovely. It's an amazing uh, an incredible job of kind of translating that for those of us who, you know, will never be that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think like, oh yeah, well, should we dive in and just, yeah, I sure. Do you want to start with, start with one and yeah. let me know one. Well, when I, my first one was uh, like heat and sunlight. And this is a film that was at the Sundance film festival in, I guess, 87. And it's by Rob. And I, I thought it was, I'd never seen a film like that. I was at the fe festival. It wasn't even called Sundance at the time. I think it was USA film. I don't know oh, what right. it was. Oh, right. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah. 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 So it was yes, like was my it? first trip to a film festival. I had just gotten here, and I, I just walked into that film. It, it ended up winning, I believe, and it's all in black and white, and it is 
so raw and so personal. I'd never seen anything like it. I never knew that films could exist like that because I grew up in South Texas, didn't know much about films. And then uh, I remember the director spoke afterwards and he explained it, that he had, um, you know, he's in it, he stars in it. It's about the breakup of a relationship but he had cast the lead actress and then they rehearsed only the scenes that are not in the movie. Everything, they rehearsed their relationship <laughs> leading up the breakup. And then you they- mean, You wrote, mean they, they wrote, he actually wrote scenes for them to do that weren't in the film? Yeah, they created, oh. they improv, they wrote all these scenes that were like the story of their relationship. And then on the day, they filmed the scenes that are in the script for the first time. So they had- built a fake relationship and then they filmed the breakup like live with two cameras and stuff so it was two or three cameras so it was very explosive and i i just never heard of anything like this it blew my exploded my mind too that's wild that's like the the i mean obviously i'm familiar with mike lee's process which you know i i adore and it's fascinating to watch but i've never heard of anybody doing that yeah and it's so cool and so you see him in there experiencing it live and it felt like you were really watching something for the first time because you were yeah you know? yeah, yeah wow. like, oh my god this is crazy and so fascinating and the idea that you could take a real person and you know craft something so that really expanded my idea you know about filmmaking and what i could do and was super inspiring you know and uh, I think some of the other ones on my list. Uh, should I just keep going, or what? what yeah, 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 no. I mean, we'll, we'll kind of we'll kind of go go one at a time. Like, I'm just I'm so I, I have not seen this film, um, and just that alone, just it, it immediately got a hundred times more interesting than. Um, it's all black and white. It's all just super intense. You know. Yeah. You're just you just feel like you're right there in this. You know. Uh, um, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf almost kind of. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, fight. And, and does it just track the, the dissolution of the relationship? Is that the, yes. the film? Is? It's, I think it's like 16 hours during their, over oh, there. Oh, the, okay. But no, no, <laughs> no, the film's not. <laughs> the film's not 16 hours. <laughs> well. Now, now I'm less interested. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a regular yeah. But it tracks like the last 16 hours of their relationship. And, and so he basically, did he just, I mean, obviously, he knew what the story was going to be. She was she aware? Was the actress? Do you think aware of I what's think, coming? I or? think she did. I think they had the script, but they never said the words out loud, mm. and they never rehearsed the scenes that were going to be in the okay. movie. They rehearsed everything leading up to it. Wow! And then so that was the first time those words were said. You know, <laughs> that's so fascinating. That's wow! Wow! Okay, I'm I'm trying to get over this thing we've been doing this show. Kind of got a we did our 110th episode recently and only recently did it occur to me i don't have to write down the name of interesting movies as they come up because i go back and edit these before they come out and i will hear it again but i would be writing that down otherwise <laughs> that, i can't wait to see that is it available do you know or is it a i don't know how you find it i mean i i was just looking up a minute ago for the trailer i couldn't even find the trailer on oh wow okay you know but I think there's actually a website where you can find all of his films because he's an experimental, you know, San Francisco filmmaker. So Got it. I think you can get it. Yeah. Yeah. I was completely unfamiliar with it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that, you're starting with a bang. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's next? So then I had uh, Angela, My Love. And that was another yeah. movie that kind of blew my mind. I guess that was released earlier in 1983. Directed by Robert Duvall. Did you ever get to see that one? Yes, I saw that in theaters. I remember. Yeah. And the and, kid, uh, the kid who's not an actor, right? Right, and he, and I thought it was so fascinating that he found this real kid, this real gypsy kid in New York, Angelo, and he was fascinated by. Look at this kid. He's such a hustler, and he's just so charming and doing all these things. And he took the real kid, and then his real brother and his family, and made this story. And and that's the real kid, his real name and everything, and the right. real brother thing. And that was just, you know, again, mind-boggling. Uh, you just, you know, parachuted into a life of American gypsies that I knew yeah. nothing about, you know? Yeah. And, and there's something uh, so interesting about someone, an actor of that caliber, uh, having the confidence to 
cast an entire film with non-actors and yeah, know, and knowing that he's going to be able to get performances out of it. Because I, I recall that, yeah, the kid is good. The, the kid is so good. You can watch a couple little scenes uh, right now, you know, like on YouTube, a few scenes and, you know, he's just, he's crying. He's charming you. He's funny. He's just got all these emotional layers going. And so I think, you know, seeing that movie certainly sparked me, you know, opened my mind to the idea of doing what I did with 13. You know, I wrote that script with a 13 year old girl and then I, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And I put her in the movie and, you know, she's in the movie, she's 13, she's living her story. So now that I, when, when you guys called about this podcast, I thought, man, that is almost like a direct inspiration. Yeah. Like this real kid and oh, you know, the story. I didn't how how was that? Not, not that we're, you know, it's a terrible violation of the, the mandate of our show to actually talk to you about your work. So I apologize, but oh. um, <laughs> we'll cut this. We'll cut. No, but how, how, how was that intimidating going in and, and um, cause there's the, you have the combination of working with a child actor and then working with one who's not an actor, I believe. Right. I mean, how yeah. there had to and, be a few sleepless nights going into that. And it was her story. Right. And, she was living it as we were talking. Her story wasn't done. It wasn't solid. Her mom still had the boyfriend that had the drug abuse problems. During shooting, she had to go, they had to go to emergency room because of an overdose, like one night while we were filming. I mean, everything was happening like real time. So, and I never had directed a movie before. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I just, I guess I just, Took it all on and, and, you know, I just believed in it. You know, I believed that it was going to work out somehow. <laughs> so, so let me, I'm always interested in this too, because I, I feel like it happens with all of us. So I feel like, you know, I remember writing my first screenplay. I didn't even have an outline. You know, I just sat down and started writing and it came out all right. I couldn't do that now if you put a gun to my head. Like, have you, have you gotten, what, what sort of, like, could you imagine doing that now? Or have you sort of gotten too, too, <laughs> professional or something well <laughs> I, I would love to do it again yeah Actually, I have tried to do this again you know but um I haven't nothing has actually happened yet I mean you know nothing's gotten made but I love finding like a real person oh, I good. like okay. taking the scary chance <laughs> yeah but even then, even then though Nikki wasn't an actor you know I paid out of my own pocket for her to go to acting classes mm multiple and then every weekend I would work with her and film stuff with her. So I, I was like getting her up to speed, you know, every minute that I could. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. Um, but yeah, sure. I, and I remember the, 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 the hoopla around Angelo when it came out, it, it was probably not the sort of thing I'd normally rush off to see, but the, the idea of Robert Duvall directing non-actors was so intriguing. Yeah. 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 And I love, I love the, the world, you know, just seeing what this little kid was navigating and, you know, what everybody was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All the hustles, the side hustles, everything. Yes. Oh, what a, what a terrific film. Oh, cool. Uh, what's, what's next? The next one I put down was Kids. These aren't really in any order. This was 1995, right. you know, uh, directed yes. by Larry Clark, of oh, course. Yeah. And, you know, that's another one of those, you're, you go see this in the theater and you're like, holy shit, I have never seen a film like this yeah. that feels so real. It feels like I'm just sitting there in the room watching these kids, you know, go through all this stuff, never see the parents. I thought that was kind of amazing. You know, maybe you saw a pair of legs walk by, but you just stayed really focused with what are these kids going through every minute you know and it felt right. so gritty and so real yeah it's an insanely disturbing film too because um it's, it's pretty just, disturbing <laughs> it, uh, i feel like i mean i guess i was i was i was older than those kids i didn't feel like by, by a huge amount but it just i just felt this incredible disconnect between my childhood and theirs watching that film yeah where did you grow up philadelphia philadelphia yeah so, yeah yeah i mean you know we had all, all that stuff, it just seemed, um, it just seemed that sort of the, the sex and drugs and, and uh, kind of just absolute sense of ruelessness had, had just exploded. And um, I mean, obviously it's a movie and obviously they're trying to kind of scandalize you a bit, but holy cow, yeah, that movie's incredibly effective. 
It is. And I, you know, the decision to not see the parents at all and not see the parents, you know, making any efforts or any lifelines or anything, you know, um, that was, that was intense. (laughs) It it, it worked for peanuts. The the Charles Schultz comic strip. Yes, you never saw the... (laughs) No, yeah, of course. <laughs> you just hear the teacher's <laughs> voice in the cartoons going, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. At first, I thought you were saying, and I'll, I'll work for peanuts. Oh, they'll work. Yes, no. <laughs> and we're worthy. I know because who came out of that? It was like Chloe, Sevigny. Chloe, Sevigny, Rosario Dawson. Yeah. <gasps> so good. Yeah. And were they, do you, were they actors at that point, or did he find them? In- I think that Rosario was sort of discovered. You know, I mean, she's definitely discovered by that. Point. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, but I know some of the characters were not actors, <laughs> you know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're more, you know, fill in like the group kids and things, which actually, uh, I, that's one little lesson I did on Lords of Dogtown that I would fill in all the background skaters with real skaters, you know, so you, we had oh, sure, the, yeah. the scactors, the skating actors. <laughs> But they kept it more real and grounded, and they just didn't give a shit. They would tell you when it was bullshit or whatever. Right. Oh wow. Yeah, that's um, um, God. That just sounds terrifying to me. (laughs) There's just something about I don't know. I've I've, uh, the idea of walking into a room where everybody's professional and knows what they're doing, and I don't have to. I don't have to worry about it that that I like, but that just seems. Oh, that's a good. That's a good point. (laughs) You know, somebody. And just give you something so raw and so yeah. unexpected like you know that's in a weird way that's kind of a, that's very exciting to me like yeah. not really knowing quite what's going to come out you know and, yeah. and, and some uh, obviously some very professional actors are like that too they sure. get so deep in like uh, honestly Heath Ledger was like that I on Lords of Dogtown yeah. I did not know what he was going to do sometimes and sometimes he did some very dangerous things. He climbs up on the roof, you know, of a building of the skate shop. And we thought he was going to fall over. You know, he pulls a board out and hits somebody with, and I'm like, all the time, like, wow, where is he going with this? You're like on the edge of your seat. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, sure. That's, um, he was, he was something. Um, am, I, am I supposed to not say anything about my own movies? No, no, no go ahead. I'm kidding. You can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's no judge sitting around, you know, dinging us by all. I mean, the, the idea is we want to sort of see the, you've done an amazing job of it. I mean, I've seen it already. You want to see sort of a connection between, you know, these films that have inspired you in your own work and how they made you think about it. So, yeah, please, please. Because as I'm thinking, you know, as yeah. you had to do this great exercise, you know, now I am seeing, oh, yeah, that's connected to that. I like, you know, I see the connections more. So thank you. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, no, look, that's that's the dream. That's what we're trying to go for. So uh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Um, but yeah, I seem to remember, yeah, I've got uh, uh, a friend of mine was sort of a um, skateboard god back, way back in the day. And uh, um, I know he knows a lot of people who were, you know, had small parts of that film. And um, yeah, yeah but, we try to get as many real people in, you know, uh, lots of, all the real original skaters are in mm-hmm. and they're not really actors, but they were good. And I think they did a great job in all their parts, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're sure going to get an authenticity. So. Yeah. You see them in there, you know, Jim, you're, you, know, you see them as judges, you see them, you know, at the skate contests and things like that. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, no, that's a really, really super cool movie. Um, awesome. Well, what's, uh, what's next? Out of the Blue, and that was a 1980 film directed by Dennis Hopper. He's also in it, and Linda Mann. Linda Mann, so no wonder why that's so sad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you ever get to see that movie? Oh, God, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. it's amazing, it's amazing. Um, and she's so, what was, what was, I mean, you never worked with her, I mean, she only did I a never few worked times. with her, no. She, had such, I mean, she was, a, I guess, I, at the very least, she was a solid actress, but she had such an amazing presence that she, she just did. sort of owned every scene she was in in this kind of really fascinating way. I, I, um, yeah, and her whole punk rock obsession, her father, you know, oh, and yeah. Dennis Hopper was so great. She and Dennis yeah. Hopper were so great together. And I felt that was very 
you know, heartbreaking, heartbreaking movie, super raw, super emotional, but then I loved all the, you know, the punk music and noise, yeah. her attitude, her, you know, behavior, Dennis Hopper, so heartbreaking when he's in the, in the uh, prison, you know, and trying to talk on the phone with his kid, and I've been here all this time, you know, and I'm sorry I haven't been there for you, but I've been in here, you know, for five years. And, oh, God. I think, isn't there, I read recently, it's been really hard to find. It's one of those movies that I'm always trying to find so I can show people. And I believe there's, uh, if it hasn't come out already, there's a restored Blu-ray finally coming out of that so people will get to see it. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's a really terrific film. And, and I think Dennis Hopper took over. Um, I don't think he was meant to direct Oh, really? I think uh, that he ended up taking over, directing, you know, but, you know, he's so talented. He's so present. He's so <laughs> amazing. Yeah. 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 So, so electric. Um, yeah. God, I, I was just thinking about her the other day. I uh, love her in um, Wanderers as well, where she's just, uh, the, the um, Philip Coffin film about uh, uh, gangs in New York in the 50s. That is just a, oh absolutely lovely movie and um ken wall i think it's one of his first films and she um she is the the i guess the mall you would say the girlfriend of of the um, gang leader of a, a, a gang where everybody's bald and the actor who plays her boyfriend was a um enormous i think he was a wrestler or no maybe an opera singer i can't remember he's this gigantic bald man mountain and she goes around sitting on his shoulders and it's uh um, but there's a scene where she just blows up at him and the entire gang, and she's this tiny little thing, and there are all these big, muscle-bound, bald dudes, and you absolutely believe that she could intimidate them. <laughs> uh, it's a terrific film, highly recommend, based on one of Richard Price's first books. Uh, really, really worth. I got to see that, and that, and so we just lost her. Was it yeah. a few months ago? Or? Yeah, yeah, like a month or two ago. It's very recent. Uh, oops. <laughs> the problem of doing this out of your house. Um, we, used to, we used to do it in the studio. Uh, <laughs> those, those were the days. Um, but yeah, out of the loose, fantastic. Uh, uh, these are great. What's um, what is yeah. next? Uh, well, then I I put Mean Streets. You know, oh, it's sure. not exactly the same. But uh, it was one of my definite inspirations when I was making Thirteen. That. You know, you feel that kinetic energy of this volatile, you know, young Robert De Niro, like just kind of out of control. Which way is he going to go? Is the camera going to follow him in certain scenes? Um, and, you know, you feel, of course, that Scorsese knows those characters, lived in that neighborhood, gets that neighborhood in his blood and in his bones. But I loved, you know, when I was doing 13, I did not look at any high school movies or any kid movies or anything. I just didn't even kind of makes sense, think, yeah. think about using that as a reference, but things like Mean Streets that I felt like the energy of the camera was following the energy of the characters in right. a lot of movies. And, you know, some of those fights in Mean Streets, you don't know, you know, am I going to get punched? You almost feel like you're, you're right in it or, you know, some of the scenes around the pool table and things, but I tried to, you know, use do my film thirteen almost as war shoot as war photography that I was following these girls as they were just kind of almost ricocheting off of each other, off the walls, yelling at their mother, you know, just moving through life with this very high energy, you know. And, and in a way, I try to do that same kind of camera work in Lords of Dogtown. But the thing is, the actors had wheels, so <laughs> real. <laughs> you really had to keep up with it right. you know so we had to be on motorcycle cam everything to keep up with skaters you know it wow. had that like high energy you know yeah i would imagine that has to be a little more choreographed before you uh, get into the scene then yes well, <laughs> if they're I, on skateboards yeah <laughs> well actually you know 13 and lords of Dogtown, both of them were totally choreographed oh, really? i mean they were 100 percent planned out with I have shot lists and diagrams and everything, but by planning it out, I was able to make it feel. Yeah, I was like, going to say, I would assume that with, with Dogtown, but um, uh, it's so interesting with 13, because it does feel like, you know, there is a kind of immediacy to a lot of that. Yeah, but it was literally mapped out. I had 
we had we had 50 scenes in the house i had 50 copies of the floor plan figured out where everyone was going to go but that gave the actors the freedom because we would shoot it in a long take like you know almost like i learned from heat and sunlight let's just get the camera two cameras set up and let it roll so the actors could really be in the flow they knew where they were going but they could just be with it you know and move right. And then we would capture that. So there's even in 13, there's one scene that's a two and a half minute take without a cut. But there's a lot of movement, so you don't really notice. It's not static. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fascinating. Did you storyboard it or? Uh, well, I didn't storyboard because okay. my whole idea was movement. And so yeah. in storyboards, you would have, I would have had to have like a zillion storyboards for each shot. So what I did was a diagram you know, I used to be an architect, so I would diagram, like, we're going to go here, we're going to move here, we're going to move here, and here's how the camera's going to follow. And then I would go to the house in advance and, like, kind of feng shui the furniture so that it, where it would work. Like, I'd, I'd act it all out myself. Okay, she could run in here, run past this. So I kind of made my own little pass and everything. Oh my God, I love it. That's so funny. I have to go back and take another look at it because it does. It is not a film I think of. I mean, when you describe that, it makes perfect sense. It's just it's one of those movies I feel like, you know, it was shot by letting the actors loose, and then you know the DP is told to just follow the action, almost documentary style, because it does not. And that's what I wanted it to. Yeah, do. it doesn't scream design, which is great. I mean, that's. You but know. the thing was, you know, if I had done that, obviously. You know, we only had like the 18 days to shoot and the kids were only available for certain hours because they're right, underage. Sure. You'd be insane not to do it that way. I'm sure it would have been ah. chaos if I would have done yeah. that. Yeah, we'll just way, fly I, the movie. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. But, but this was very planned out. That way I could actually make my shoot days and everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that's amazing. That is amazing. Oh, cool. What's, what's up next? What do you got for us? Then I put a woman under the influence. Ah, uh, Cassavetes, yes. Don Cassavetes, Dina Rowland, of course, you know, and I feel like you guys probably know more details than me about this, but the fact that he's working with his wife and with an ensemble of people that he knows and trusts that they're, what I do know, I think that there was a certain amount of improv and workshopping that it really felt kind of like uh, what I was talking about. It felt almost spontaneous and very alive and crackling with that energy and very very personal i mean gina is amazing amazing actor so you just kind of feel emotionally all these things that she's going through i have it's a weird i i i tried a couple times i sort of jump into cassavetes because it's i know i know i i should and i find that um <laughs> uh her she always knocks me out um I recently saw husbands for the first time and I have, I have friends who will probably disown me for saying this. I, I've, I was just utterly bored. Um, <laughs> there's something about, I mean, when he, when he gets into sort of the, the interior lives of men where I just, I find them, the men he's dealing with to be so repellent, but she is such an amazing actress and character. And obviously his feelings for her are so strong that he gives her these, you know, amazing parts. I mean, I love, um, um, oh my God, I'm, I'm blanking the one, the one with her and the kid where she's the, the, the hit woman. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, and I, and I know that process was very improvisational and very raw and um, sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it doesn't. I, I do. I, I love that film. I saw that. I think that was the first one I saw and that may be why I was kind of disappointed in his others. Yeah. And, well, I think we're going to get hate mail for me saying all of this. It's terrible. But, <laughs> but like Gina, I mean, she's such an, like that character, you know, the woman and woman under the influence. She's so radiant and just like, you just love her. And she's so magical, yeah. but she's crazy. Too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. This keeps like, you know, like walking that edge and you don't, you're always on, you know, like, uh, on edge just for her, you know, like yeah. it's yeah. this tension there too, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, cool, cool. That's a fun one. Yeah, absolutely. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. 
I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, what, what, what's next? Uh, next I wrote uh, City of God, which oh, that wow. was 2002, Fernando, yeah. Katia, Lund, and uh, um, so um, I thought that I, I was, um, I did have a nice conversation when I was in the Rio, at the Rio de Janeiro Film Festival one year after this with Katia Lund, his credit as the co-director on this. And she, you know, was explaining how they had the workshops with all the kids, you mm. know, again, the non-actors, and they would do like workshops that helped them to be creative. And, you know, right there in the middle of this, you know, crazy uh, uh, city that they lived in. And then you find like who kids that can step up and do it and play and right. be part of this. And, you know, so I just love that whole idea, you know, how it was. It was based on a novel, I know, but it was created, you know, the actors and the reality by workshopping right there in the real place. Oh, interesting. I got, yeah, I, I think I knew that they were not mostly actors. Um, tell, tell, I, I don't, I never know what, what people are familiar with or not. Tell the audience a little bit about what City of God is. Cause it's a, it's an incredible film. I remember seeing it the first time in an early screening and I don't know well, what I was expecting, but it just demolished me. I mean, on every level, it's very visual and just stunning, you know, in a, a place, uh, I guess a slum, you know, low, super low income community outside of Rio, just maybe 20 minutes away from Rio or something. And so you feel, I think it starts with that crazy chase, chasing the chickens and it's just like the most kinetic, alive filmmaking, you know, running with these kids through the most, you know, unique, exotic, colorful favelas and, you know, wild, yeah. you know, what's going on. Um, and you really dive into the lives of these kids and the gangsters and the people that can, you know, control the area. Um, you know, God, I need to see it again. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very so. stunning. I mean, they went for a very striking visual palette, mm. you know, so it's bold, like every yeah. bit of that movie, I would say, is bold. <laughs> yeah, and it, it never like, looks, it's, it's never quite the movie you think it's going to be somehow, I can't even really describe it, because it, it isn't, you know, if you're looking for a good crime movie, it's a great crime movie, if you're looking for a sort of slice of life about kind of poverty and, uh, you know, the lives of kids it's got that it's um it's gorgeous to look at even though it also feels like a documentary sometimes right yeah crazy movie yeah it's so good it's so good yeah yes actually it's making me want to see all these again and <laughs> <laughs> because i was you know when you gave me this challenge you know i'm just thinking okay what were the kind of things when i first started getting had the chance to direct what were the things that were the most, you know, brain food and inspirational for me? You know, the, the bolder, the wilder, you know, radical stuff. Um, yeah. Hats off to that film. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. Oh, wow. Uh, so what is next? Okay, Boys Don't Cry next. Oh. And, you know, again, Kimberly Pierce, you know, we got to bow down to her. She did such a incredibly immersive job on that film too incredibly bold and of course all the actors chloe savigny and and uh hillary swank just beyond brave to just dive into those roles and really live those characters and make us feel the characters and seeing some things you just feels like you can't ever forget them you know just those moments where where she's so personal and so yeah. No. God, yeah, Hilary Swank is so good in that movie. I, I, 
yeah, she had been in sort of nothing you had seen her in before kind of prepared you for that part, yeah. if I recall. What has um, she been in? I think like maybe a TV show or a- Yeah, I feel like she's in stuff like, you know, Karate Kid 2 or something, you know, where it's right. just um, like Yeah, I so I love I love what an actress or anybody gets that sort of shot. And they just And she was she was so committed, you know, Hillary, oh, of course she won the Academy Award for it. Yeah. A hundred percent deserving it because she just went for it boldly and you know took of course that character takes all the insults and all the negativity and all the toxicity is thrown at her and tries trying to survive you know and think about that that was 1999 of course all these kinds of issues we're dealing with it you know every day the last 20 years trying to help people now there's a lot more support for yeah. people that are going through these kind well, of here, struggles. I think there was a screening like a year or two ago and Kimberly Pierce took some heat from the audience um, for for not casting, you know, a trans actor in the part. And which but is... what? In the screening recently? Uh, recently, yeah. Which I, I don't, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that I, I, uh, I don't get to have that much of an opinion on this, but it just seemed to me that, you know, this is 20 years ago, we're starting to open the door. The fact that we're now at a place where people are aware enough that you, you know, if you made Boys Don't Cry today, you wouldn't cast a woman in that part or, you know, you'd cast a trans actor. But it just seemed to me that this is a film that helped get us to that place. That, that Yes, uh, it was so groundbreaking. It yeah. was so bold that she actually did it and, you know, all that. And, and that's a tough thing, you know, which people are always struggling with this. Uh, okay, if we don't cast Scarlett Johansson or whoever it is, the movie won't get made. Right. But then... You know, if you don't cast a trans actor, then, you know, <laughs> so it's it's tough. You want to tell stories, that, you know, that people relate to with a beautiful, wonderful actor. You want every kind, every person to have more opportunities. You know, we want to open up yeah. the opportunities so that you, your, your parents would pay for you to go to acting school or they would fly out, you know, if you're a, a trans kid that they would fly out here and take you to pilot season, but they're not going to do that if there's not opportunities, right. you know, and, and help and support for people. So, you know, it's all these kind of chicken and egg and, you know, yeah. but we're, no, I just, it's really the part, it's the part where we sort of retroactively apply that to, to older films where I, I get uncomfortable just because I, I'm absolutely certain that, you know, the generation that comes after us will look back at us and, go what terrible people they were and it's like that's actually a sign of progress i think <laughs> but but you know for was it 1999 i mean 1999. that film was incredibly groundbreaking oh my god it was you know, yeah yeah it really shook the world i think to see yeah. that yeah most people had never had a glimpse into uh, the humanity of a person that was going through that and she really helped you feel and love and care about this person you know? yeah yeah, no, she's she's absolutely amazing in this film. And uh, Wayne Chilson, she she went for a million dollar baby too, I think, didn't she? That yeah, I mean, I just feel like there's a weird thing. I'm going to spoil two movies. I apologize, but this is sort of like what a, what a, I wonder if she grapples with that. That every time she does a movie where somebody beats her to death, she gets an Oscar. It just seems <laughs> that would be. I would oh kind of avoid, you know. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> it's <just> very grim. <laughs> That's that's pretty grim. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, grim. <laughs> My brain went there. I can't help it. I'm, I'm terribly sorry, Deborah. But I guess you know, going through the highest level, the highest stakes, you know, that is that's cathartic for us, for the audience, yeah. the actor. Yeah. So you know, we put our characters into the toughest situations in some movies. That and then when you come out at the end you feel the transformation watching the film yeah or you might just say i can't handle that right now we're in the middle of a pandemic i need to laugh (laughs) we uh just apropos that we we uh my wife and i watched hair last night which was probably the 43rd time for me and i think just the second or third time hair the yeah and we're getting close to the end where um Tree Williams uh, dresses up as John Savage, so John Savage can run off and be with his friends. And then, and, and Nancy goes, "Oh God, wait, I forgot. He's 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 going to Vietnam, isn't he?" I said, "Yeah." She she literally got up. It was just, I, I can't watch this. It was just too, 
you know, too, too affecting. And sometimes, sometimes a movie can have that effect, even if you've seen it before, because um, I've seen Boys Don't Cry a couple of times. And somehow I, I feel like the second time I saw Boys Don't Cry, I was even more demolished by, by what happens to her than I was the first time. I don't know, maybe because it was almost like I was going back to see somebody I knew, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it's just, uh, God. Yeah. That's yeah. funny that I misunderstood you. I thought you said hangover and you said, oh, oh yeah. I yeah. Thought you oh, said, the ending of hangover is heartbreaking. I can't. <laughs> I thought you were like, I've seen hangover 42 times. <laughs> 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 Catherine's going, what am I doing on this show? <laughs> it's almost as good as Porky's, man. You got to give me, it's just. Um, <laughs> Has anyone ever had like Porky's on their list? Oh, well, we've done, we've done some amazing, you know, um, we had a guest a couple of weeks ago who did uh, 10, 10 empirically bad movies that he loves. Um, oh, fun. Eli, Eli Roth came in and did just a whole bunch of awful 80s movies that played on cable constantly that just he couldn't escape that formed his consciousness. So we've, we've had some pretty odd ones come up. It's, um, oh, that was Eli- Hamburger, the motion picture, has been discussed on this show. <laughs> I got to check that one out. I love Eli. My cat wanted to say hi. I was going to say, who is that? This is called Pre, as in Grand Prix. Uh, and that, that's his name at the shelter because he was always racing around. Oh, wonderful. Hi, Pre. Beautiful cat. He wanted to join in the, the comp. He said I didn't have, he's kind of mad because there's really no cats in any of my movies. Uh, minimal cat movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, directing kids is bad enough. You don't want to go near. <laughs> I've tried like only in one movie in, in Red Riding Hood, we had a cat. And it was a, like, I thought it can't be that bad. It just has to sit on a lap. Oh, it was a disaster. It wouldn't, wouldn't stay anywhere. You know, there's no continuity. We had to frame the cat out a hundred percent. Oh my God. There's a, um, uh, I remember seeing uh, Lieutenant of Inishmore, the uh, Martin McDonough play at the Tabor Farm a few years ago. Uh, Chris Pine was in the lead. He was absolutely amazing. And there's a scene in the play which is obviously, you know, it's been mounted a ton of times and is this huge, you know, very, very well-known play and put on all the time. And there's a scene in the play where a cat has to just walk across the room, go to a bowl, take a bite, and then walk back into its, you know, cat box or whatever. And it just, it made me so anxious watching that scene and then thinking about, like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you do that in a play? Night after, how do you sit and write a scene in a play? I understand in a movie. How do you write a scene in a play where a cat has to do anything every single night? It's, and the cat did it? Cat did it, yeah. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even the dog training, like on Twilight, we had the dog. Uh, um, oh, sure, like, yeah. we, we had just one dog where it had to, uh, you know, be a police dog, like sniffing, running along a trail, sniffing a paw print, and then moving on and looking for vampires. And I said, you know, I just want to make it as easy as possible because it's such a small scene. We'll have whatever dog you, you know, the trainer says is the easiest to train. And you, the trainer, can be in the scene with your dog. You can be the cop and you can have the dog on a leash. I mean, it could not get simpler than that, I thought. How many takes? (laughs) Then the dog decided it wanted to hump the actor's leg in Mm -hmm. every scene. Did, but we 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 did two hours to try to get. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was every gave the trainer everything. So, you know, I was kind of pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, that 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 sounds like a nightmare. Um, <laughs> but then I did one movie in in Italy where I just kind of got so used to it was a nativity story. I got so used to having animals. I said, well. If there's not an animal on a scene, I'm just going to add an animal. You know, let's just let's just have more. Let's have snakes. Let's have really. Yeah, we had a snake. uh, We had a scene. You know, it's a biblical story where you walk through market and you have the snake charmer guys, and we shot that in Morocco. Morocco is famous for having snake charmers. You Mm. know, and people that work with snakes. So we had the cobra snake. You know, and in the middle of the take, the cobra bit the trainer. And so everybody freaked out. We had to leave. You know, we moved to another set. And then I saw that the uh, crazy Canadian animal rights, uh, you know, the person that watches the animals, make sure you don't, you don't harm any animals, right? And I said, 
what's going on? Is the guy okay? He goes, I don't know about the man, but the snake is just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, not his, Um, not his job, man. (laughs) (laughs) Just here for the snakes. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Well, should we go to our next one? Yeah, or? go to our next one. Absolutely. Okay, so our next one is, I put here Pariah, which was Dee Reese's movie that was um, 2011. And that was um, another, uh, did you get to see that movie? I have not seen it, no. It's another very, very personal story about an African-American girl growing up, um, she and her sister, her parents. And she is realizing, you know, under, coming into her own understanding about her own sexuality. She's not like her sister. She doesn't want to go to prom. She doesn't, you know, uh, uh, she doesn't fit in the social norm. And so it's that, you know, very personal, like take us into a character that's an outsider that we don't know and help us feel what she's feeling. And, you know, another beautiful Super personal, yeah. intimate story. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know it. I'm not. Uh, Dee Reese went on and directed Mudbound. Mudbound, yeah, which is fantastic. Yep. Yeah, uh, but then I was looking at that. That Pariah was 2011, so it took a long time for her to get her next <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah, Pariah won a lot of uh, you know awards and things like Sundance and stuff, but you know, it, finding a way to make a very personal intense movie that doesn't fit into the norm <laughs> yeah you know, it is not easy to get it made <laughs> yes but it's, it's much easier if you're a black woman <laughs> yeah i i she's she's impressive um uh, yeah. i really i really enjoyed my band she's um, so good yeah but i think it's you know it's just showing you know as you look at some of these very raw like beautiful projects that I could, there wasn't that long of a list for me, you know, because it is hard to make these very intimate projects based on a real person. I mean, there are, there are more, of course, but, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, there aren't studios pounding down doors to, to make these. No, in fact, you uh-huh. know, when we had 13, we went around and, you know, everybody turned it down and no, no, we won't make it. Who's going to go see a movie about a 13-year-old girl that's, you know, rated R because she's going through real stuff. She's cutting, she's drinking, you know, and uh, that doesn't fit any of our demographics or our algorithms right. or anything. But you then know. you're you're also dealing with people, it boggles my mind. What is it, you know, every time there's like a, you know, Sex in the City comes out, which is not a small intimate film telling, you know, and it does $300 trillion because just, here's a, here's a, yeah, exactly. And it just feels like there's people in the studios going, well, we didn't realize that audience was there. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but then you go, what are you thinking? And you say to them on another film, so you know that if we market this right, we can find that audience again. Yeah, and they'll, yeah. they'll sometimes tell you that's a fluke. You know, that was because it was based on this book or, Right. Yeah. And they'll always have an excuse why that only worked in this case. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so bonkers. It does make you wonder if there's other factors at play in those decisions. Yeah. And then sometimes, uh, you know, it's self fulfilling. If they say, yeah. oh, I don't know, this is going to do very well, then they, of course, won't put very much advertising into it. And it doesn't. And it won't do very well. We knew it wouldn't do very well. You know, well, nobody even knew that it was, knew it was playing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's it but is uh, we're trying a frustrating to, business. Yeah, trying to change the uh, change things now. I think. So. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I like to. You know, it's it's easy to sit on the outside. It seems like um, from from my perspective, uh, it, it seems like there are kind of jobs are opening up that there are more kind of women and minorities and people who don't normally get to tell their stories on film seem to be getting. I mean, I, I, obviously there are more, but. It, it it you know it doesn't quite feel like a tidal wave yet <laughs> you know right but i mean i feel like you know the tide has turned we are seeing a revolution in some ways so yeah, you know, yeah. that's that's pretty exciting i mean lots of you know a lot of a long way to go we had like at the emmys we had no latino actors nominated mm. 
you know, for not even one, you know, nomination. So that's, that shows another area that needs a lot of help and a lot of work, you know. Yeah. And I just, if, 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 you know, if the kind of sociopolitical argument doesn't get you for me, it's just like, aren't you tired of the same stories? I mean, I, I am a straight white man of, you know, a, a certain age. And I have just, my entire life, if I want to look at somebody just like me doing something amazing, I just turn on the freaking TV and it does get boring at a certain point, you know? I mean, that's that's why, I mean, that's why I, I tune into stuff like, that's why 13 is so appealing, you know? It's like, here's here are some shoes I can walk in that I can genuinely say I have never set foot in before. Um, and that yeah. is way more interesting than, you know, yeah, yeah. But, and then the flip side, you know, people all over the world have told me, you know, that movie and kids and other movies that were very real, that got me through my teenage years. You sure, know, I can imagine. My yeah. friends and I would watch that and think, okay, we're not alone. All that, it's not all happy and wacky and cute. There are other people struggling and that have pain, you know. Yeah. I've had people literally from, um, you know, Australia, Japan, Greece, all over the world telling me that was my story too, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, because as specific as it is, it is still very universal. Um, well, yeah. Uh, what's it? You have one more, I think, right? Well, so the last one I put was the Florida Project, which oh. is obviously recent, 2017. Yes. So good. So good. It's so good. And I think, you know, you might even know more about it than me, but you know, in a lot of ways, I loved it. The fact that he kind of, you know, sort of found that culture you know, that was going on in, in the motels and everything yeah. and created a story. He found this little girl. It's very similar to like the, this cool kid, Angelo, my love, this little, right. you know, innocent child, but that was a, like a hustler and funny and, you know, just nonstop. Well, and her and mother, so, too, was a, uh, was she like a... Um, like an Instagram star or something. She was, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. She's so good. Yeah. yeah that little girl is just hysterical. You know, we're not supposed to go in there. Then let's go in. You know, everything. She kept finding a way to, like, see the bright side or see it in a different way, you know. And, and I yeah. just loved that, you know, how he worked with her. And, and like you said, the mom had very little acting experience, if any, and was so real and, you know, you just felt like the fact that he went to the place and filmed in the real places, a sense of place, a sense of, you know, personal. It's so personal. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. And the little girl with uh, Brooklyn Prince um, is is uh, so good. Um, she's just such a, again, one of those things where it's like there's, there's acting going on, but there's also just you know, finding that thing, that person that pops on camera. She's that just has oh, of course you know she's directing now right i'm not joking no i think yeah didn't she, <laughs> she directed a short now yeah. that she's 11 <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty awesome um, i'm kind of you can see it i had to play um uh i got to meet her on the kind of uh she was on the awards circuit for like the Indie spirit awards and my 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 aunt is lois smith the actress um who was oh, cool. uh, for marjorie prime and she was out here and i got to uh, be be her date at a bunch of these things, oh. and the um, New York Times did a piece where they had Lois, who was the oldest nominee in the Independent Spirit Awards, interview, or the two of them just had to interview each other. Brooklyn, who was the youngest, and they just got along like a house on fire. And she introduced me to her at at some one of those gatherings, and she was so it wasn't that weird child actor thing. She was just so on and so interested in everybody, you know. And, and um but without being you know you've seen those sort of young kid actors who have been doing it too long that they, they almost seem like adults yeah she was just like a really excited kid who just wanted to know everything about everybody it was just i was so taken with her like mm -hmm. i gotta write something for this kid <laughs> now what where did he, where did he find her do you know do you i don't remember the story I, I probably knew at the time with other stuff but yeah it's um uh, she's she's amazing, and he's I I love his stuff. Have you seen his other films? Have you seen like Tangerine? I saw Tangerine too, yeah. which is an amazing achievement in just so many ways. Because yeah. uh, shot on an iPhone and widescreen, and it looks absolutely beautiful. I know <laughs> amazing performances out of these these trans actors who are, um, and and uh, um, shot shot in a part of time. I mean, it's it's like that's that's my target. <laughs> <laughs> in Hollywood, that's where I go. And it's like, it was such a, 
amazing thing where he goes into this world that, you know, as someone who's not part of that world, I kind of walk through every day. And it just it really, really just sort of changed the way I looked at just the people I saw on the street when I was walking around that area. Um, it's an incredible film. He's, yeah. he's really interesting. I think it's so great. I think, you know, pretty much all of these films, the filmmakers went and just did a full-on deep dive, you know, just like yeah. fully immerse myself and try to live with these people, be in their world, find every and take in all the input of the real people. And yeah. how can I really make you feel like you're there, you know? And I think that was such a, you know, beautiful lesson for me for all of these films, you know? Yeah. Full yeah. immersion theory. <laughs> and so even like when I did 13, you know, I had Nikki Reed, who the 13 year old and all of her friends would come over pretty much like every weekend and we'd have like surf camp and skate camp and okay, I'll take you guys to the museum. And so I was always around all these kids and like listening every minute and writing down what they said around their mothers and hearing their mother's anxiety and issues too. And with the skaters full immersion, right when I got the job, I went over to Hawaii and I hung out with Jay Adams for three or four mm. days within the first literally five minutes I'd landed maybe maybe half an hour I was committing a misdemeanor uh. <laughs> you know <laughs> he's just like he's just he does not think inside the law you know <laughs> mostly <laughs> is the stature of limitations up can you tell us what you did or? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the two things they weren't so bad but you know one of them like he said I said can I come over there I'm gonna make this movie and I really want to meet you and hang out with you and you know he had no money so he goes well, will you be having a rental car with gas right I go yes and will you be able to take me to some restaurants and what hotel are you staying in Turtle Bay oh I like their towels he said you know, so I'm like, oh boy what am I getting into so like like but the first minute he said on the way when I picked him up you know I just came from the airport I had the rental car he goes okay let's stop here at this house uh, you know, pull up to the gate and he goes, stand over here by the fence. He jumped over the fence. He pulled like all these beautiful mangoes off a tree and started handing me all the mangoes. And he goes, you know, these are like $2 each in the store. And then the guy was home and he didn't know. He goes, okay, hit the gas. Let's go. <laughs> And then we go, of course, he goes, I'd like to go to the hotel and watch some movies, you know. I'm like, fine. So we, I see that he has an empty duffel bag, right? And that the Turtle Bay has these super long halls. And so we're walking along. And then he sees a cart, a maid's cart is left out there. And he just goes right up, unzips the bag, fills it up with all the towels, and just keeps walking down the hall. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, yeah, that's but... like. Any other crimes you'd like to confess to while we're here? <laughs> That's amazing. But, but I guess I was an accessory. But the yeah. thing was, so <laughs> in a way, <laughs> just being around him, like just right. I fused all that for Emil Hirsch plays in him mm -hmm. in the movie. So that kind of like always on the, you know, on the lookout, on the hustle, like what can I do? What can I steal? What can I grab? You know, I just tried to like keep that, as part of that character right right or if or not even that if he would see like a, an elderly woman eating dinner in a restaurant he would just go right up to her face and go hi you know <laughs> <laughs> scare the shit out. Just, what mischief could he get into right right uh, people like that can be fun for a little while um oh yeah <laughs> three days no my yes. time <laughs> nice chapter uh, well, wonderful. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for uh, joining us. These have been some terrific movies. I love that you're going to go back and watch some of them. I'm definitely going to be checking out a few as well. i got to watch some of these again. They're so yeah. good. I actually, and I want to recommend one. I don't do this all the time, but but as you were talking, I kept thinking, uh, I have a friend, Jim Aiken, uh, who is um, who is a, uh, he was one of those OG skateboard guys that I was talking about earlier, who you know, grew up in that culture and was a big sort of star of it, I think in the late 70s, early 80s. And he's um, a filmmaker now. He's married to Maria McKee, the singer. And uh, they've been, they made a couple of films, but they made one called The Ocean of Helena Lee a couple of years ago, which yeah. you should look for because you, you, you might really like it. It's about a 
12-year-old girl who lives with a kind of ne'er-do-well father and has to kind of fend for herself. And it was shot in Venice. And it's beautiful to look at. And the, the girl is an incredible performance. Um, definitely worth checking out. And, uh, I've got to say, I've never heard of that. So thank yeah, you. no, it's, it's great. It's great. I think you'll love it. And because uh, his wife is uh, Maria McKee, who's a great singer, it has phenomenal music as well. So uh, as well as a great performance by her. But um, worth, worth looking for. It's streaming. I think it's probably on Prime or something. But um, definitely, definitely worth checking out. That's but, so cool. Um, thank you. Yeah, yeah, but thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for... Uh, taking a break from quarantine. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, hope you have fun and thank you for doing this. This was amazing. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. Take care. Okay. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Stay safe out there, folks. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.